What's up, Nav Church family? Here we are. Week. I know, I made it awkward. What's up, Nav Church family? We're going to kick off a three-week conversation, which in my mind is one long sermon. So if you even remotely like today, you're not going to want to miss the next two weeks because it's one cohesive thought of what does it mean to move into the new. We kicked off January. If you're a guest with us, maybe you're in our online community, let me just tell you what's been happening. We started off the year with a month of prayer and fasting. Uh, some of us, many of us actually, went through a book called Starving, where it was a daily journal where you learned more about, well, fasting by reading a book named Starving, which is just ironic. And so we, we read through this book, we did some journaling, did some praying, we ended this, this month of January with three days of just a prayer and fasting. And I don't know about you, but personally, I had a radical transformation that occurred in my life. And it's not one of those things, and I know you're like, oh great, he's going to tell us. Nope, that one's not for you. Uh, this was something that happened for me, and at this point, I think there's three people that know about it. Just because I want God to do his complete work in me, and just because I talk to you every Sunday, doesn't mean that God's not working on me separately, and just so you know, he is, and sometimes I love it, other times I wish he would leave me alone. Can anyone say amen to that in your personal life? And so now, we're going to be going into Easter pretty soon, and I know it sounds crazy that we're talking about going into Easter, but the reason I want to mention that is going into Easter, we're going to do a 40-day challenge. Some things you might have read about in this past month, you may have read about it but didn't necessarily, necessarily engage in them, but every week, we as a church, we're going to be challenging you. Why are we challenging you? Why are we doing 40 days of uh, prayer and fasting? It's because we believe in the year 2023 that we're in, God is calling us to be radically devoted to him. And being radically devoted to him, what does that mean? What would it look like if every person in this room, every person a part of our online community would devote, would prioritize their thinking, their actions, their, their spending. What if we prioritize God in everything that we did just for one year? How different would our lives be? How different would our family lives be? I would dare say this. How different can a community be? And so in looking at this, we have 40 days of prayer and fasting. And pretty soon we're going to have a 40-day, not 40-day, excuse me, month of prayer and fasting. Now we're going to have 40 days of a challenge going into Easter. At some point, we need to talk about what does it mean to move into the new? Because many of us, and by the way, I'm putting myself in this category, did I really prioritize God in everything that I did, every action that I took, every thought that I had, every word that I spoke, everything that I watched, did I really prioritize God? And by the way, that answer is no. And so if I'm actually going to do that, I need to know what it means to shift into the new. So today we're going to talk about shifting into the new, but by shifting into the new, um, well, we have to realize that there's some things about me that I need changed. And then in that, I need to have a plan to move forward. And usually moving forward in a new way means I need to sacrifice some old things to embrace some new things. But then by week three, what we're going to talk about is uh, 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 a lot of things moving up here and it distracted me. Sorry, here we go. So we are going to talk about making a plan. We're going to talk about sacrificing things in our life. And then after that, here's what we're going to do. We have to actually trust God. 
I don't know if you ever thought about that. But if God goes, hey, I want you to try this out, you have to go, I believe you. Because there's been some places in my life where a guy goes, hey, I want you to try this out. And I go, I don't think you have the best for me. Like, I know this sounds great and it sounds ideal, but to actually trust God is a very powerful thing. And so I'm going to say that I think all of us need to move to the new somewhere in our life. And here's why I say that. Because everybody, I don't care if you're agnostic, I don't care if you're atheist, I don't care if you're Mormon, I don't care if, what religion you might be. There is one thing in our Bible that we read that everybody around this world absolutely agrees with. And it's this one scripture out of Romans chapter 7, verse 15. See if you don't believe this. And by the way, you may be new to Christ, just checking them out for the first time. See if you don't believe this. I do not understand what I do. That right there, even if you go, well, I kind of know who I am. Okay, let's just read a little bit further. See if you don't fully understand this. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. And what I hate, I do. Is there anybody around here that we go, yep, I get that scripture. And, oh, by the way, yep, that's me. Because tomorrow morning, I'm going to tell myself to get up and go to the gym. But I'm going to hate myself because I won't do it. Right? I mean, there's so many aspects of our life that we understand this and we believe this. But the thing is, we just don't do those things. And I think one of the reasons we do it is because we hate change. Change is tough. Change is hard. You like you for who you are. Even if there's things that you don't like about who you are, you still like you for who you are enough to stay what you are. But the problem is, God didn't call us to stay who we are. God called us to constantly change. And by the way, if you don't want change, there's one place that I can encourage you to go right now where you never have to change again. And that's the grave. Well, I'm not actually encouraging them to go to the grave, maybe, if you're hard-headed enough. But I'm saying, if you don't want to change, there's one place you can go that, you, that, that you'll never have to change again, that's the grave. Outside of that, even sitting here, you're a part of change. Why do I say that? If you take a deep breath in right now, you're breathing in what? Oxygen. Just by breathing out, what are you breathing out? Something totally else. Right? You're breathing in and breathing out. Just by breathing, you're a part of change. Look at our environment in the world that we live in. You're telling me the world you're living in today is the same world you were living in five years ago? Five months ago? Five minutes ago, ladies and gentlemen. We got five seconds, five seconds, five seconds. Like, <laughs> let's not even talk about what grandma and grandpa, what they went through, what their life was about, right? We have to be a part of change. If you don't want to change, you are actually saying the very fundamental process of life around you, you don't want to be a part of. So I want to encourage you, change. And specifically this year, here's the great thing. By the way, if you're here today and you don't love Jesus or know God or anything, I think practically speaking, you can walk away with something that you can make your life better. And that's awesome. I'm happy for that. But can I just tell you, I'm specifically wanting you to hear this sermon through the lens of radical devotion. Because I like my prayer life when it's convenient for me. I like my fasting life when I have enough people that encourage me and support me. I like my daily devotion, you know, if it's a book that I'm enjoying. I like talking to God when he's telling me what I want to hear. 
But what happens when I'm exhausted and it's time to pray? What happens when, you know, let's just be real honest. What happens when I want, need to go to worship with God, but I am just ticked off at him in the world? And by the way, if you're offended at that, you're not being honest with yourself. Because you've been there too. Where the last person you want to talk to is the one person you should be talking to. And probably because the relationship's falling apart is because you're the one that needs to change, not him. But we need to figure out how do we actually transition into this new day. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to actually cover a guy named Joshua. If you don't know anything about this guy, if it's really kind of the... So you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. If you have a Bible, you have this thing. So these first five books, primarily, let's just say this, cover a guy named Moses and Joshua sprinkled in there. But then book number six is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Oh, wait, did I do that wrong? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Yeah, I said them right. I counted wrong, you know, because once you have to go to a second hand, Oh, it's confusing. And so, <laughs> you got to take a shoe off pretty soon if you want me to get to Samuel. And so, um, it's not, thank you, thank you, I won't, appreciate that. So book number six is a guy named Joshua. In case you don't know anything about him, let me just give you a, a three-minute history lesson. God created the heavens and the earth, blah, 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 blah. Eventually, he had a group of people called the Israelites. They were in captivity under a guy named Pharaoh, in Egypt, and God wanted them to exodus that area. Book two. Okay, and so, so in this exodus process, you had a guy who, named Moses that came in, let my people go, all of a sudden took them into the desert. As they were marching into the desert, the horse and the chariots, they got swallowed up by a sea. Now they're free in the desert. They come to the desert, and God gives them these Ten Commandments. So basically he has a group of people that he just gave a law to. Now he needs some land so that they can learn how to live their life according to what God's called them to. And they come all the way up to this place called um, the Jordan. As they get to the Jordan, Moses sends 12 spies over there, and in looking out the land, the spies were supposed to come back with a strategy on how the children of Israel were going to go into the promised land. But when the 12, tri 12 spies came back, they didn't come back with a strategy of how to go into the promised land. They came back with their personal opinion. And they came back and said, you should see these giants were like grasshoppers in their eyes. And by the way, you should see these cities that we're going to be facing, they're wide enough. That, and by the way, this is historically true. They're so wide that two chariots could race across the top of the walls. So you now have Moses, rather than fully listening on what God had called them to do, which, by the way, the same God that just provided 10 amazing miracles to deliver them out of Egypt, the same God that provided manna in the desert so the children of Israel could eat, the same guy that had a nation with millions of people giving them water in the middle of a desert so that they could drink, the same God that would provide a, a pillar of fire during the night to keep them warm, but yet a cloud during the day to block out the sun so they wouldn't all fry in the desert. This same God is saying, I just need you to go into the promised land so I can give it to you. And Moses had a dispensation similar to what many of us face today where he took a political poll to see if they should follow God. And so all of a sudden, 
Moses goes, oh, 10 of you vote no, two of you vote yes, so I'm going to go with the populace. But God was saying, listen, I don't want a political dispensation. I want a prophetic dispensation that you don't know what it is that you're moving towards. But if I prophetically call you to it, you're just going to step out in the Jordan and see what happens. And right now, see, this is a time that you could think that I'm going to make a political statement about today's culture that we're living in. But it's not that. It's just the reality of the life that we're living in. And here it is. I don't care how many people say what truth is. Truth is truth. And if our truth doesn't align with what God does, we have desert thinking. And we can say, this is na- we can label this. Now, and by the way, I'm, trying, I'm being real careful not to go political. I'm trying to, trying to just stay back here. But the fact is, if you have all the society try to cancel you because you what say truth is, truth is still truth. And the only thing by going with the populace in order to be comfortable with where you are in life, you'll just end up dying alone in the desert. Or we can believe what God is calling us to, and what God is calling us to is promised land living. And here's, it's just, you have all these miracles that God has just done for them. These transforming miracles that saved their life and redeemed an entire nation. And all they had to do was take one more step forward into the promised land. And you have to ask the question, what were they thinking? Isn't it easy to read the Bible and go, what were they thinking? I wonder how many people look at your life and go, what were they thinking? (laughs) Yeah, a lot. There's the uh, honest answer right over there, a lot. Let me ask you this. Have you ever said to yourself, what was I thinking? After you asked that question, did you take time to answer it? See, I think it's easy to say something like, what was I thinking? And not like actually sit down and go, what was I thinking? Right? If we don't take time to say, what was I thinking, then the thinking that you've always thought will always produce the life that you've always had. You'll always be the person you always have been. You'll have the results that you've always been frustrated with because you've never actually taken time to answer the question, what in the world was I actually thinking? Instead, here's what we do. I bet you the children of Israel, I bet there were some of them like this. The children of Israel most likely blame the 10 guys who voted against Moses. Right? It's easier to blame someone else than to take personal responsibility of our thinking. It's easier to blame a pastor because he doesn't feed us than to say, I'm not pushing into God. You know, the almighty God who's all-powerful, all-present in all places, it'd be easier to blame the worship team because of you not liking the worship style. That's why you don't worship. Am I stepping on toes? I didn't mean to step on, I didn't mean to step on toes. If I wanted to step on toes, I'd go back to the political thing and say, the identity of a man, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I'm staying right here and making it spiritual. Because I don't want you to think I'm up here on a soapbox making about something that isn't. Today I'm talking about our life. Our spiritual life should be radically devoted to God. And it's easier. But here's the fact. No one's ever moved into a better future blaming the past. You only move into a better future when you own your thinking. So today, I want us to own our thinking when it goes into moving to the new. So I have seven things that I'd like to think most of us 
maybe subconsciously have thought about before. Maybe you verbalized it. And I know for a fact I'm covering six of them. I haven't decided on the seventh one yet. But let's just jump into it and see how many more toes I can step on. Not intentionally, but I am having fun doing it regardless. But here's what I would say. Here are seven common things or seven common thinkings that proves we're not thinking. Number one, if I find the right person, everything will be all right. That is not the case. If I find the right person, everything will be all right. But here's what the actual truth to it. If you actually sat down and thought about this, if you become the right person, but most likely, many of us, and by the way, I say many of us, I got lucky and married the only person that would marry me 18 years ago. And so, like, but here's what happens. Many times, we're like, man, if I could just find the right person, I would stop dating idiots. But if you're the one always dating idiots, who does that point more to? Right? And I'm just trying to be very blunt with you because we have a lot to cover in a little bit of time, but our thinking matters. And if you don't ever challenge your thinking, you're going to keep saying, if I just find the right person, everything will be all right. Or you could start becoming the right person so that the right person who's also looking for the right person will start looking at you, but currently you're the wrong person. Because the right person who's actually working on themselves look at your dysfunctional, broken life and realize, I don't want that person who's, who's so needy, who's so broken, that the moment I get with them, we're not two ha- holes becoming one. It's one, two halves trying to make a hole. And by the way, that will always come up short. But have you ever taken time to actually stop and think about what it is you're thinking? Here's another one. So... My situation is unique. So, no, here's the truth. You are unique. Your situation is not. Right? And, And here's how I can prove that. You are uniquely made. We all know that. But somehow when you go to a doctor and the doctor starts asking you questions about, does it hurt when I poke here? Does it hurt when you cough there? The reason why they're saying it is sicknesses all manifest about the same. You're not unique in your situation. You're unique. Your situation is the same as it is everywhere else. But the moment you try to say my situation unique, you actually are saying all the rules that I should be abiding by, I'm exempt from. It's an excuse. It's an excuse not to understand that there's a chance it's you. Right? Okay, we're just going to keep moving. No one wants to amen these. These these are fun for me, though. I'm I'm so happy right now. Like, so I'm going to be exiting stage right immediately. I don't know if that's stage right. I'm always confused. Is is this stage right or is this stage right? I don't have no idea. Okay. It's not right, but it makes me happy. God wants me happy. I appreciate that. Everyone online, boo, you can hit that out there. And by the way, I'm excited. Uh, I, later on this year, uh, we're going to do, a, 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 I think, a th- four- or five-week conversation, and it's entitled, The Bible Says What? <laughs> and I don't know how to, like, type that, like, so read it, but that's in my mind. The Bible says what? And here's the thing. Uh, it's not right, but it makes me happy. God makes me want ha- happy. And no, if it's not right, things won't turn out right. I think there's times where God blesses stupid. I, I do mean this. Clearly appreciate that. That was my wife that 
Give you that bit of amen. I, I do. I, I, think, I think there's times, and you can see it throughout the Bible, you know, Jonah goes the wrong direction, but God ended up blessing it and still impacting Nineveh. I think, I think that's it. But if we get to the point where we tell God, you have to do it this way in order for me to be happy, wrong is wrong, no matter what we do or how we think or how we try to manipulate it. And we have to come to the place that if you think your happiness is God's number one priority. You clearly didn't read the New Testament part where his son hung on a cross. We're called to sacrifice our flesh. Because God wants us to experience joy, not happiness. Happiness is what's happening around us. Joy is a sense of I am walking with God and I am talking with God. And if that's in the desert being overshadowed by a cloud and a fire, or if that's moved, marching into a promised land against enemies that I'm unaware of, as long as I'm with God. If I only had blank, then I would be satisfied. Right? If you only had this one thing. <laughs> I love you right now. I do. Okay, truth, appetites are never fully nor finally satisfied. I heard this great example, actually, Pastor Andy Stanley, who, who got me on this line of thinking. How many know someone that only has one tattoo? Right? And so most of the times you get the one tattoo and you're like, oh, I need two tattoos. And I need three tattoos. And right now, some of you are going to go, oh, pastor's going to hit on tattoos. And he's, listen, I'm not telling you if I think tattoos are right or if I think tattoos are wrong. I personally think tattoos look great on you, not me. Okay? So, but here's what happens. If you think if I had that thing, if I owned that thing, if I drove that thing, if I wore that thing, if I only had, I would be satisfied. The fact is the human appetite always craves for more. That's why awareness is such a bad thing for us to have. I am completely satisfied with my 1997 Honda Odyssey minivan that has a door that literally falls off and a horn that no longer works anymore. If I'm trapped at a stopping light, I have to roll down the window. Motor's dying. I got to help it. Mo what did I say? 2007. It's newer than I thought. Thank you, Jesus. And so... Like for me to honk at someone involves me sticking my head out and going, honk. <laughs> and I am content with this until I become aware of something else. Awareness kills it. It kills our contentment. And by the way, we can know this all the way back to the very beginning of the book that we read called the Bible. And Adam and Eve were so content in the garden until someone else came along and said, but what about the one thing that you're not allowed to have? So where in your life do you continue running out, doing things that are destructive to your nature, and you never have the thought of, what was I thinking? Here's what you're thinking. You're trying to find contentment in stuff Versus the, let me say that different. I, I think a better way to say that. You're trying to find contentment in the creation rather than the creator. So, we then go to this next really dumb thinking. Ready for this? I owe is better than I want. 
I owe is better than I want. You see that brand new thing. You see that brand new toy. Yesterday, this, by the way, I'll give you a real life example, right? So I, yesterday afternoon, had a little time off, and I went to watch TV. And the last time my brother was at my house, he goes, hey, looks like the center of your TV is getting a lo- little darker. I never saw it. But ever since he said it, like, center of that TV is definitely darker. And so yesterday, we were watching uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and there was a, that's a Ric Flair thing. I, I don't know how the two come together. And so, like, so I'm watching, and the only thing I can see is that the TV's a little darker. And then, and it just happened this past week, a free TV that we got a while back that was in my son's room finally died. And I'm thinking, well, I need to wait for the next free TV to come along until I know it's the dark spot in mine. I'm like, Cameron, we could give that to him, and we could buy a new one. Although we don't have the cash money to pay for it, I want it now. The TV works. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with it. Truth be told, I'm not sure there's a dark spot, except there is in my soul now because of my brother. <laughs> but the fact is, it's actually, as I stopped because I knew even what I was talking about, it's actually better to want than it is to owe. I may want that, but is it worth my family going into debt $3,000 so I can buy a 110-inch HD 4K? I'm, for example, for example, for example, it's not like I was just looking online for two and a half hours last night for the best deal. I mean, it's only an hour. And so, like, there... But how much debt are we currently living in because of the desire to find happiness of a day gone by and we wonder why it is we're living under the stress and worry and concern that we have? Have you ever stopped to go, what was it that I was thinking? Right? My secret is safe with me. See? Right now you're going, I don't know what this means. But for me, my secret is safe with me. But the fact is, secrets seep into your most important relationships. So if you think to yourself, my prescription pill problem is my problem only, and my girlfriend, you know, the person that I'm trying to make myself better so I stop dating idiots, the moment I move into a relationship, it won't hurt. But the fact is, three's company. Three's a crowd. And if we have secrets that we try to keep to ourselves versus, and let's just say it this way, being a part of a nav group, being a part of a men's group, being a part of a women's group, being a part of these things where you can be transparent and vulnerable, not just so that you can tell on yourself, it's so that you can unburden yourself from these things that are keeping you from being what God's called you to be. If you are just coming to church and you're not connected in a smaller group of community, I'm just letting you know there's a chance your faith is already stagnant. And it's not that Christianity is not a solo sport. We're in this together. And you say to yourself, well, the moment I kick this one thing, I will join a community. What if joining community helps you kick that one thing? Because your secrets seep into every aspect of your life. And so those are the six things. Let's skip, let's skip this last one. This one's too controversial. We're just going to skip over it. No, no, no. There's too many. We're going past it. And so. Oh. 
I'm, I have to listen to the Joshua dispensation right now. So what is the plan that we need to have moving forward? When it comes to moving into the new day, we have to have a plan. Eventually, that means we are going to have to cut off some old things. We're going to have to sacrifice some things that we currently, we think we find life in now. And in doing that, we're going to have to trust God. So let's go to the scriptures and see if we can't see a plan. And hopefully it like jumps off the page in a very bold way to us, okay? Ready? Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. It says, now, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Hit pause real quick. This is God coming to Joshua. And he goes, hey, Joshua, by the way, Moses is dead, which means this old dispensation is dying off. I'm ready for you to prophetically follow me into the future. And I know many of us want the map that God is going to give us of how hard life will work out. But the fact is, he doesn't give us a map, he gives us a compass. And our job is just to follow true north, being Jesus Christ. And so now God is saying, listen, I'm going to be with you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. And you know I was with Moses because for 40 years we wandered around in this wilderness. And we, I, there was always food for you to have. And there was always shade to protect you. And there was always heat to keep you warm. There was always enough. You know, it actually says in the Bible that for 40 years, shoes, their shoes did not wear out in the desert. I pray for that in my life, for my wife all the time. That the shoes do not wear out per outfit. And so, and so Joshua chapter 1, that's that comment earlier. What do you think about that? I got the mic. And so, so as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Now let's just see if we can't see a plan that God has for us. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people into this land, uh, in, to inherit the land that I swore to your ancestors and to give to them. Ready for this? Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the laws that my servant Moses gave you. You do not turn uh, from it to your right or to your left, that you may be successful everywhere where you go. Verse 8 now. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, that you may be prosperous and successful. Verse 9. I have commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I believe a plan that works for anybody under any circumstance that God is calling you to move forward is this. Be strong and be courageous. And we could go back through these scriptures right now and we say, well, the plan is to follow the law of God. Absolutely. But if you're not strong and courageous to understand that his law is better than your thinking, then you're never going to stick with his law. Right? Be strong and courageous. Well, that works, especially when you're coming up against a new, uh, uh, um, I do want to say this, uh, obstacle, a new, a new enemy, a new fear, a new mindset. Anything that you come up against that is brand new to you, you know what's more comfortable? Going back to the desert land living that you've been in for 40 years. Because as much as I would love to have steak and lobster, I've learned how to live on manna. As much as I'd like to have some new clothes, well, these still fit. So I'd rather retreat back to an old thinking. The problem is the old thinking that you've been living in is desert thinking. It's limited thinking. 
And a God who never changes is all about change. And the biggest reason he wants you to change is so that you can learn new aspects of who he is. They, dare I say this, everything about the desert, they knew about God. But what they didn't know is when they got to Jericho. What they didn't know was how to cross the Jordan. What they didn't know was the moment that manna dried up, where are they getting their next meal? And that's when your God proves to you that he's new every day. So God wants you to move to the new day. And here's what it means. Be strong and courageous. Be strong. What do I mean by be strong? Make a mental decision that you are going to actively become radically devoted to God. You're going to do something different. You're going to read something different. You're going to pray a different way. You're going to worship a different way. You're going to passionately follow after him in your thinking, in your words, in your actions. You're going to be strong there. And when people around you don't fully support your decision to be radically devoted to God, you need to be courageous to stand in your convictions. Because, here's ready for this? I don't think change is the cultural norm in our world. Oh, wait a second, that's next week. So let's put pause on that. Because what happens when those around you don't fully support you in a dedication that you're making towards God? So step number one this week, let's have a plan. What is our plan? Be strong and? Be strong and? Holy Spirit, we follow you today. We step out into the new places that you're calling us to. Holy Spirit. God, if I can just be honest with you, as a church, as a pastor, I know what it is that we have built over the past couple years using the model of church that we've used. But now, God, you're calling us into this radical devotion. We're going to be having an entire series on just the Holy Spirit. We're going to be moving into even later this year with some things that will challenge our mindset. God, it's a, if I can say it this way, a different model of building the church. And I don't know if everyone will like it, but I know this, God, it's what you called us to. So as a leadership, we're going to be strong and courageous, and we're going to believe to model what it is that you told us. And the worst-case scenario, God, is we get closer to you. Right now, I'm just going to take a second to pray over those different thinkings that people had. If you were here this morning and you heard, if you're watching in our online community, and there was one of those thinkings that I threw out there that hit close to home to you, I pray right now that you become strong and courageous and say it's time to fight that thinking. It's time to fight that thought process. It's time to be honest with who I am and where I am, and you're done using the blame game thinking that will move you into a better future, and it's time for you to own it. I pray right now, God, that they have the courage, they have the strength to challenge that thinking and begin transferring to the new that you're calling them to. You know, one new place that all of us can move to, and if you're here today and you don't have this, I want to encourage you. I can give you all the self-help stuff that you want, but the greatest thing that I could provide for you is a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you've never taken the step or the moving towards the new with Jesus Christ, here's what this means. 2,000 years ago, God stepped out of heaven onto earth to walk with us, to talk with us, to be with us as humanity. 
Because as humanity, we were dealing with a sin. And if you go, well, what is sin? What does that mean? You know what it means. It's that dark place in your life that when you did an action and you, you can't stop thinking about it and you feel empty inside, you're full of regret, that is just sin. Jesus came to free us from our sin nature and to reunite us to God. If you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I can tell you now, eyes are closed, heads are bowed. It's just you and I here talking, you and I are online. If you're here right now and you would like to say yes to Jesus Christ, could I just invite you to raise your hand in the air to say, I am ready to make that decision. And that is the first new that I need to do is move to a relationship with him. And his hands are going up in here. If you're online right now, there may be a box that's popping up in front of you. They're throwing it in the chat. If you made that decision, make sure to like this. But if you're in our online community or if you're here with me now, could, you, could I ask everyone to just say this prayer out loud with me? Dear Jesus, I am ready to move from my old man to a new man. And that happens as I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. Become Lord of my life. And from this day forward, I follow you. God, I thank you with the confession of the mouth and the believing of our heart. It says that we are saved. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone who made that decision today. Let them make it for the final time. And we as a people celebrate their, their, their growing step. Now, Holy Spirit, this week, challenge us, work on us, help us be strong and courageous as we move to this radically devoted life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, if you, can you do me a favor, put your hands, let's celebrate with people that made their decisions today. If you're watching us online and you made that decision today, make sure that someone who's on there with you, make sure to click on it, comment so that they can continue reaching out to you. But for our online community, God bless you. We will see you next week.